Zoom needs to have a thing like on the top of the screen that is that just has like a play pause stop button and and a and a big red circle like record button because it is ridiculous that every time I go to record or stop recording the episode, it's just in this like huge ass drop down window with a with like a million other things such as like security, uh, share screen, whiteboards. I don't even know what whiteboards is. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, an option to... to recognize hand gestures. There needs to be uh, like as soon as I start recording. Then the thing pops up. Stupid. Have it for me to begin with. This is a note to you, Zoom. I know Good you none. listen to every one of our calls. <laughs> I, there's a guy whose job it is to do that. Well, there's the whole lady that tells us to that we're recording. That's exactly right. She works overtime there. I I could only imagine how tough that lady's job is. Yeah, um, women in tech, you know, like <laughs> tough, tough out there. Yes. You know, when your career, like when your media career, when when you uh, when you eventually come up with a podcast idea that actually makes you money, mm. uh, then you should buy one of those little stream deck things, like little oh, yeah. buttons with the you can program things to. That'll be fun. Stefan has one of those. It's very cool. Word. I didn't touch that's it. Cool. I was too. I stayed away from his little setup. Was, yeah, fair. That's that's where magic happens. Um, Man, I can but... only imagine like what. He must just have a wild setup. Oh, well, I mean, it's honestly, it's, it's just a uh, few monitors. Uh, this is this is a funny way of blowing up somebody's spot. Yeah. Nothing actually <laughs> blow up. It's yeah. just, it does a, a nice big PC and yeah. his table. But he's, he's got like a really cool mic monitor arm that I that I'd like if, yeah. uh, if I can justify it. I mean, I uh, guess like I guess streaming like it's the part of the appeal is that it's easy and cheap to do in a relative sense. Yeah. But, and like, but still having two monitors to me is like the most high tech thing. <laughs> like that is the, that's like the matrix. I, that to yeah. me, like having two having two monitors is like you're, you're in a, a movie from like the early two thousands about a future uh, society where like everyone only fucks inside their computer or something. Yeah. Um, I have to, yeah. I have to out myself. Um, mm. I I have a two monitor setup. Hilarious. Because when I got my first job out of school, I uh, I had very few expenses, um, and so I just launched my money at uh, at like Best Buy and monitor, keep like a keyboard. Like I, I bought like a cool keyboard. Oh yeah, Illinois. totally. And uh, and well, my whole PC setup is is the only way I could socialize for a while there outside of the podcasts. Um, yeah. This will come as a surprise to exactly no one, but outside of my like laptop and interface that I'm recording this on and like my Nintendo Switch, basically everything in my apartment could or my suite or whatever, like it could basically be like 1995 and mm -hmm. there would be almost no difference except for the TV would be a CRT and the smaller probably, but oh. like. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you got a sweet fucking TV. You have, you have like it, that's true. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's 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 pretty good. It's did, it, did you get that with like one of the Telus plans or something? Or uh, we just, just bought it. We've always been a big TV. Like my wife's into it too. Yeah. Um, you know, like for me, 
I watch a lot of movies. I watch yeah. a lot of sports and particularly when I started writing at Canucks Army and really when I like right. reached the, you know, I like I never made as much money from it as I did from my real job, but I made enough money that I could like not work my real job five days a week. Yeah. And so at that point, it's like really easy to justify. Like I need a large television to watch hockey on. Um, But yeah, like I've, I haven't had a normal size TV. Like I'm a second generation, big TV guy. Like my dad (laughs) bought like a, a, you know, like, a 42 inch back in the day, like back when that was like yep, a $2,000 purchase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hilarious to remember those days. But yeah, my, my, uh, yeah. I could tell, I could talk for ages about this. My dad, mm-hmm. my dad, I think on a 70, that's just like ridiculous. That's amazing. He yeah. had one that like fell off the back of a truck a while ago. Hell yeah. For, for, for like 10 years. And then, I don't I didn't understand why because he's the kind of guy to just like get nice dra- gadgets when he doesn't need sure to. yeah totally. there's so many like there's like black spots on the TV like it was almost like a black vignette around the the border of the TV for the longest time totally and then it's and I I remember coming over to watch uh, the World Cup this last uh, a few months ago yeah and just being like I can't I can't do this pop like what happened <laughs> yeah totally like, where is your where's your glory where did your glory go? yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally and then thankfully like two days later it just fully crapped out when they were watching spanish soap operas which is <laughs> something they do now that um and so he bought this fucking crazy 70 inch like 4k thing that nice. i just like would purposely start staying over at my parents place once in a while just to just to, just to watch like movies i'd already seen before but in higher def Oh yeah, totally. Fuck. It's insane. It's, I I want I want a big TV. I'm about to get my first paycheck. It's such a, a nice. Yeah. It's worth yeah. uh doing. Like it it's it's a worthwhile purchase to me. Like I I mentioned this on the episode of um of my other show uh that we uh did on the uh what's it called glass onion or whatever. But like it literally changes my my perception of movies, yeah. I think. Yeah, because like uh, I won't I won't uh, ruin it and I or repeat myself uh, too much. But like there's a there's a series of twists in that movie. And one of them, I actually noticed it happening on screen because they show it because like because it's so big because yeah. I have such a. Yeah. But like if you watch that on your laptop, which yeah. I imagine like millions of people did. There's yep. no way you would have noticed it. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and I am one of those assholes who's who's I'm I am David Lynch about watching a movie on your phone. Um, <laughs> I like I, I agree with David Lynch. Um, yeah, I I did this terrible thing for a bit where when I'd go to the gym, mm-hmm. I'd be on the elliptical for like sure. for like half an hour. Or whatever. I got to start doing that. I didn't I couldn't come up with anything to focus on. Sure. I, I just kept just getting distracted. And I was like, okay, how do I keep myself on here? Yeah. And so totally. I watched like Secret Honor, like <laughs> the one man Richard Nixon movie with Philip Baker Hall. Well, I mean, that if you're gonna watch a movie, like that kind of thing makes sense. Like, like but I'm just like on the elliptical on my phone so funny. <laughs> at the Trout Lake Community Center. Just Amazing. like what and it's always like, what is this guy doing? I always felt like somebody's walking by like 
I'm, I'm, I was hoping somebody would recognize the movie and just be like, are you fucking watching Secret <laughs> Honor <laughs> on a life fitness? That's amazing. <laughs> I think I think if I was in that situation, yeah. I would watch John Boy's videos. Yeah, I just ran out of those. And yeah, yeah. that which is fair, because yeah. there aren't enough. The we problem is, like, know. someone needs to give that man like a TV show. Like, it's so annoying that like so many right wing Twitter people like Roger or whoever yeah, just sure. have these random benefactors. Oh yeah. Pay f- just pay for their whole life just yeah. so they can spew their hateful shit. There needs to be one for John Boys. Or Especially John because like that company is owned by Vox. And instead yeah, they're like I always forget that. And I instead they're fucking that. like cutting hockey coverage or whatever, which is so annoying. Um, oh, are they? Yeah, they the uh, SB Nation like okay, no yeah. longer has uh, hockey. Um, I thought you meant uh, Secret uh, Base, like shit anymore. No, I think Secret Base. Not, still, the, not that they really do. Anything, they don't do but... that much, but I think they are still doing it. But the like as far as like the SB Nation hockey sites, like they're just not under the umbrella anymore. Yeah, um, which is which is too bad. Um, I guess that's enough uh, uh, preamble. That's a I long guess. cold open. Um, I guess. Speed, agility, power. I'm a big fan of these things. All of the performance I demand for myself on the ice is here. Handles all of my needs in dynamic fashion. Obviously, hi oh, everybody. Hot. Uh, welcome to uh, to mm-hmm. Roxy Fever. As I'm sure you've probably gathered by now, uh, Elliot has spoken even less than he <laughs> normally do does, uh, and the reason because he's that sleepy is that uh, uh, we could say this. El- Elliot's on pat leave. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's living at Pat Patrick Johnson's place. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in a sense, <laughs> they are peers now in a way they, are they were not before. This is true. Uh, uh, by which I mean, congrats to Elliot on his new job. Writing for Post Media. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, so it's just the two of us today. We kind of, um, <clears throat> first of all, I've been busy and then <clears throat> also in the free time that I have had uh, lazy trying to finish Skyward Sword so I can play the new Zelda. Hell yeah. Uh, watching let's talk, let's talk about that movies and shit. Oh. Yeah, I can't. I, luckily, luckily, oh, there's well, nothing can't. for me to talk about That's yet right. because I haven't. I, I played up until the title screen and then was like, okay, if I do any more of this, it, this will ruin my life. I have to finish <laughs> like 10 things first. Yeah. Close. Yeah. Um, But uh. Yeah, we 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 kind of toyed around with having some guests. We are going to have a guest soon to talk about the uh er- the situation in Arizona with the Coyotes, the never-ending uh saga of uh will they won't they relocate, fold the team, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um but in the meantime, it's just the two of us cuz we figured uh, it's been a while and there is still a lot uh to talk about. Um Yeah. In for you know for this time of year and for the fact that as I think we'll get into later, uh, the playoffs at this point, we it, it doesn't happen every year. It does kind of happen most years. Pretty anticlimactic at this point. Um, so not a ton 
uh, to really say. Looks like all of us are going to be wrong. Uh, and if anybody's right, um, send me your lottery picks because yeah, who who the hell would have guessed? This was a weird one. Yeah, I, I think I, I guess you could have guessed a West yeah, a little bit easier. Yeah, totally. Like if you told me Vegas was free up on their way to the finals, like yeah, you know, we'll talk. Yeah, but, yeah. The East was uh, was wild, and I say that as somebody who picked Florida to beat uh, Boston. Um, but yeah, I guess the 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 place that we have to start, unfortunately, uh, it has been this long since we recorded. Uh, the worst thing ever happened. Um, maybe, obviously, like I want to say, it wasn't going to be us. But no, I want to say that this is the worst thing that's happened in the history of the sport. And obviously, (laughs) like, it's not um, because uh, there was like that entire KHL team that died in a plane crash. Um, But like in terms of things that are that really only have to do with like the outcome of the game and the machinations and the decisions of hockey teams as they relate to um, the actual game itself, like, and not, you know, uh, just deciding to, I don't know, uh, defend uh, and protect a child abuser or something, just as an example. Um, In terms of, like, uh, the kind of stuff that happens in NHL in EA NHL, like purely that type of thing feels like basically the worst thing that's certainly ever happened in my lifetime. The most mad, I think, I think I was more mad about this than I was about the Bruins winning the Stanley cup in 2011, actually, because as much as like, that was heart, that was heartbreaking. That was depressing. I felt, sick for like a week after it happened Uh, but ultimately it it was just we just lost you know we we got beat fair ish and square there could have been things we did to get out of that yeah it it was it was it was very (laughs) even though everything was rigged against us there was we still could have put in a better effort what why didn't we cheat right (laughs) Like, I mean, why wasn't Luongo wearing illegal pads? These are questions that, you know, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. And, uh, you know, I have to admit that, like, when your team wins by cheating, it's hilarious. So, yeah. Uh, and yeah. if it, and if the shoe was on the other foot, then I would be like, well, you know, um, and, you know, obviously I'm talking about uh, what happened with uh, the team that shall not be named. Uh winning the right to select Connor Bedard this June. Uh, it's kind of, it's a little like if right after Hitler killed himself, mm-hmm. Amer- America, the USSR, UK, everybody got together and was like, let's give him a nuke. Let's give the Nazis a nuke. Yes. <laughs> That's a good, that is a good, a pretty good uh, <laughs> uh, analogy. Honestly. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Uh, that 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 that's about as good as 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 I could. I, I will. Uh, I will. I will just say. Yeah. Um, now that I am gainfully employed again, and yeah. at a very like extremely 
in, in a way that I'm very happy and proud of. Yes. Um, and, and also in a way that uh, further compromises the future of the show, perhaps. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Later yeah. on. Yeah. We'll, let's talk after the Patrick Johnson leave. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, my like posting brain, I think, is coming back. Oh, that's I think good. when I'm yeah. busy. Yeah. And I'm thinking about other stuff. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, let me be stupid in hockey. Yeah, then, totally. Then I can come back. But it's when I'm like, I got nothing else to do. Best thing I can do is set a lap time in Gran Turismo. Yeah, totally. And and uh, is uh, then I come to the show and I kind of try to take it seriously. Yeah, but yeah. Don't totally. you worry. That we're we're way gone. past that. Yeah. No, I do think that's a, a pretty good good analogy. Uh, because the thank you the the thing that that makes it so terrible is that, like. It is it's very I will be the first to admit that like it is very hard and very nebulous uh, to talk about the concept of a team deserving something. Yeah, because in general, shit doesn't work that way. Like the team that wins the Stanley Cup, you know, if you want to talk about like, do they deserve it? It's like they deserve it by doing that. You know, like there's there's really no conversation beyond that. And you can talk about like, oh, these fans deserve to be happy and these fans don't, as I love to do all the time. Mm -hmm. But it's all very subjective and it's all very, uh, I guess, kind of unscientific and uh, up to interpretation. You know, when we talked a few episodes ago about like where would be the best and worst places for Connor Bedard to end up, yeah. it was pretty like opinion we was barely divided talk, we barely talked about it with chicago but yeah with that with other teams the opinion well divided. and that's the thing is that the reason we we didn't even talk about chicago mm -hmm. is because basically everyone other than blackhawks fans and realistically even probably some blackhawks fans <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> agree that like there was one team that did not deserve this to happen to them yeah. and so of course they won the lottery. And of course, with like the last lottery ball being one number different from the Canucks lottery ball. Um, which... Let me say this before I forget. Yeah. Is I hope Connor Bedard has like Cody Hodgson's dad or just one of these oh, like yeah. problem fathers. I know. But one person yeah. I want that to be the case for where the yeah. dad is just like, let's get like helps him ruin his period in Chicago so he can leave. But that's the all thing. Fantasy. That fucking oh, bums me out the most about this or no, the thing that bums me out the most about about this that cannot be understated is that like a real league would have t taken their pick away. Yeah, and I, and I don't I don't even and and I think realistically, too, I, I might be wrong about like which pick it would have been. So this could have maybe still happened. Sure. But like the fact that the Blackhawks didn't lose a first round pick. uh from this scandal like I, I mean fuck at least a bunch of people lost their jobs and like i mean steve simmons is doing his uh his best to try to make sure those people get new jobs um but like a real league would have done to the chicago blackhawks what they did to john chaka for doing phrenology mm -hmm. to uh prospects ahead of that draft or whichever draft it was yeah. uh to the new jersey devils 
for signing a legal contract that then was retroactively made illegal, I think. Uh, I don't know. Luanga Kovalchuk then? The the, the Kovalchuk one. I don't, that's one of those ones where it's like, I don't want to, um, I don't know enough about it to say for sure, but that's sure what it fucking seemed like. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Luongo with the cap recapture, like this is the shit that they care about. Like other leagues actually do this kind of stuff too. Like if you ever follow anything about soccer, or like you don't even need to follow soccer that much to know about this, but like in the Italian league, for for example, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of cheating scandals that go on um, that go like heavily punished. Like Juventus is arguably... Italy's biggest team. Um, it's massive moneymaker. And you know how soccer works for the relegation. Yes. When Juventus has been caught multiple times across the last few decades uh, with like fudging some of the numbers and like mm-hmm. paying their players in ways that weren't supposed to be paid and stuff, sure. they straight up kick them out of the first league, send yeah. them to the second one. And sometimes they sanction them so that they like, I. Uh, can't sign the best players and also that they can't just simply return to the best league after and that people have to get fired. Like they, they go scorched earth on some of the biggest money-making teams. And that's in Italian soccer. That's not like, (laughs) yeah, it's fucking important to them that they'll Mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. And well, but the thing is, is that the NHL also does this. (laughs) Yeah. They just do it for stupid shit. And, and it's, it's the, the thing that, that always comes they do up it for with... stuff that like scares investors or scares like yeah people exactly. bottom money lines and like you're not allowed to cheat financially but you are allowed to do horrendous crimes other uh, horrendous crimes other yeah real and horrendous crimes I, I you know i i don't want to re i mean i wouldn't be relitigating but like i i don't want to just uh i, w- I don't want to just like list off a bunch of really horrible uh, details that are out there for people to uh, yeah. Yeah, find for themselves if they, but I, I do, um, I do just want to like kind of remind people a little bit, like what I, with, you know, trying to uh, steer away as much from content warning type stuff as possible. But um, what happened to Kyle beach was bad enough. And what happened to Kyle Beach, if you go, if you take it upon yourself to go and read uh, his allegations and what he said publicly, that alone is terrible, is the kind of thing that a real like I I, I, I mean this like like genuinely like a real business, a real thing, a thing that is not like a fiefdom for morons to like enact their, you know, like cuck sports dreams because they were never talented at anything. Um, would it would have been DEFCON one mm-hmm. if, a, if a thing like that happened in their organization, like not just uh, from a like the, the thing that is so disgusting to me about it is that it was like, it wasn't even like they responded to this by going, oh, fuck, that's really bad. How do we cover our asses? Yeah. It was like, this is not a priority to us. This is not a big deal. It's never going to get out because all of our players are uh, just going to blame the kid and uh, taunt him with uh, homophobic slurs and shit. Um, And it's never going to get out, so it doesn't even matter. Uh, We are just going to move ahead with um you know 
uh, facing whoever the fuck it was in the third round. That's the other thing. One of the details that really fucking gets at me about this is that this happened like right after the Canucks were were eliminated by the Blackhawks. Yeah, it, it and adds a little bit of a... There's just a fucking... I know it doesn't matter like in the grand scheme of things, obviously, but there's just like, there's a real ugliness to that um, for, for us, obviously, anyways. Well, I mean, like you see these players get paraded around as, as like as the poster children of uh, of the league for so long. Absolutely. I, I mean, yeah. like, these are all small things, but uh, I think the first time NHL cover athletes, like EA NHL cover athletes, came from the same team yeah. was uh, Taves and Kane a year, yeah. years after each other. And it was like, yeah, when you're a Canucks fan, it's like, hey, this is so fucking annoying. And then you realize these guys all, <clears throat> all like, were complicit. Well, yeah, and Jonathan Taves getting his tearful fucking Ryan Smith goodbye in front of, you know, after losing the fucking hundredth game of the season or whatever the fuck at the end of the year in Chicago. Like, like, it's like, no, that like Jonathan Taves is not someone who deserves to be to get a tearful goodbye. Jonathan Taves is when you hear his name, you should spit on the ground. Yeah, as far yeah. as I'm concerned, right? Like all of those fucking people. No, I, I any... don't see why the institution isn't as tarnished as like Pennsylvania, Penn State, Penn football, State, exactly. Right? Yeah, I is. don't know it's all the, the details shit, around basically. that, but this is like, like, I mean, it's not as bad. I shouldn't say it's <clears throat> it's the same thing, but it's it's the same. It's literally the same scandal, like the same type of scandal. Yeah, and the it's the, categorized. It's in the same category. And the the thing, the 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 really galling thing, is that because of the way that they did not deal with it, essentially, keeping it as quiet as possible, letting this guy get a day with the cup, getting another day with the cup later after all everything, after he was convicted. That's a really fucked up thing yeah, that a lot of yeah. people don't know. Um, is like he was given this this like opportunity in 2013 when he was not a part of the team to get the cup again and like pose with it. Like literally after he had been convicted, like it's, it's so fucked up. And the thing that he was convicted of what involved a minor involved a 17 year old. Mm -hmm. Um, And he literally, if that had been dealt with properly, uh, that would not have happened. There's a 17 year old kid. Yeah. um, And and this is the one detail I am going to share. It doesn't have to do with the allegations. Um, Obviously, the he's a John Doe. His name is not has never been released. As is his right. As is good. Obviously, um, you know, on on some level, you almost wish more stuff was available because it would people would know about it and they would understand the the gravity of it. But obviously, it's probably good for that person that it stays buried. Yeah. Um. But one thing that did come out, there was an interview with that kid's mom where she shared this detail about um the about the kid getting addicted to Benadryl mm-hmm. and there's just something so like <clears throat> hey, like heinous to me about that like yeah. about like she told she told this story about him about like kind of giving him the gears for being like a loser uh, in her eyes cuz she didn't know um and and she was like you're you know you're like you're treating your girlfriend like shit like you're a, you're 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 a loser basically like you know you you won't get off the couch you just fucking like get sleepy off Benadryl all day and don't do anything 
Uh, and then that was like when he told her, like, he's like, you want to know why I'm a loser? I'm a loser because this happened to me. God. And I know that. yeah. And um, and it's just like, like, it's as close to <clears throat> being able to say that you have blood on your hands for a yeah. fucking sports no, team. Yeah. And uh, life has been ruined. Lies. It's just. Yeah, it, it lives have been ruined, and and they made back the money they were fined in in ten fucking minutes after this after that this lottery was announced. And it's just about. it's fake punishment for real crimes and real punishment for stupid fake crimes. Always yeah. in the NHL, yeah. and you can draw that from from a thing like this all the way down to uh, something that we didn't get to talk about when it happened, but like something like. Uh, like that Jacob Truba hit, right? Where it's like, you, and obviously the two things have nothing to do with each other and that's part of the problem, but it's like, gotta make sure that that puck went over the glass. Yeah. But but uh, somebody's brain going over their head and back into their skull, not a problem, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to dwell on it any longer than that, I mean, but uh, the worst thing, that's ever happened. I am more mad than I was uh than I was uh 12 years ago, you know? Uh it's just wild. It's just like if and it's, it's it feels like day, these kind shit. of like I when these kind of topics get brought up in in more broadcasted ways like not not in our little silly little niche podcast. It almost feels like we're talking about a conspiracy theory. And I think yeah, that's because yeah it's so rarely talked about and it's not that like everybody's forgotten the issue and we don't talk about anything to do with the issue anymore and we still talk about the blackhawks we still talk about players from that team um mm -hmm. and it's never it's won't even be mentioned in an article uh or like one small sentence in an article about whatever player right like like how many articles about Patrick Kane, Kane's uh, trade to the Rangers and whatever playoff stuff. And yeah, totally. Dave's like actually mentioned anything of it. And so when it stops getting mentioned and journalists just like make the decision to just not mention it because they don't want to either they are <laughs> accidentally willfully uh, hiding it or, hmm. or, or accidentally or willfully hiding it. Just, it just slowly starts to erase it from the ether. Yeah. Exactly. And it slowly starts to feel like, if you care about this, you see nobody else caring about it. And it kind of makes you like make on purpose, makes you feel alone, makes you feel yeah. crazy. Yeah, absolutely. It's like how there are there are there are facts that like have been distorted over time to seem like conspiracy theories. Right. Yeah. Like that's yeah. kind of what you're talking about. Right. Yeah, like, for sure. um, like the one that uh i was thinking about this also with mm -hmm. uh with that uh, with uh francesco and yeah sure. how much coverage there was about him being a child abuser and, and then there just wasn't then there just isn't and it's yeah. it's not like that's the kind of thing that we see for other people who deserve it as well but maybe they just don't have as much power but it's like part of their bio mm -hmm. like you see what they'll pull out to describe somebody else but not when it's somebody who has power really or Somebody that we've all agreed on is uh, is like, well, we, we have to still respect this person. Yeah, like totally. Gary, yeah, Gary Mason, famous big time Globe and Mail reporter, who's not like a fucking philosopher or anything, literally just used to be a sports writer. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And now I've quoted like Gary Mason in, in so many heritage minutes. 
Yeah. Like he, yeah, yeah. he, he was, he just was, he was like, just like a Ben Kuzma from the 30 exactly. years. Exactly. Like yeah. Yeah. Nobody's about, he's just a Canucks writer, but now he writes about like, should homeless people be sent to the pits? Man, uh, that's and everybody's wild. Like, hmm. That's so wild. Take, Gary Mason. Um, I can't believe he, he that that's what that guy's doing. Like an, he just kind of, the he's he's slotted in the same slot as like an Andrew Coin or just weird. like a Deeply supposedly weird. serious person. I don't I don't get it. But like him mentioning like, so I just had a chat with Francesco and he says this and this and this. Yeah. And I'm like <laughs> for a second I was like, okay, so you're still friends with this child abuser? Like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. The, uh, on like, this conspiracy this thing, or, yeah. I think the best like example I could use, and I know this is very, this is extremely me or whatever. I already it, did the Nazi thing earlier today. It, Go for it. <laughs> yeah, it's. It, I actually think it's like a perfect uh, uh, analogy because it's something that sounds not true, that is yeah. a thousand percent true, and that is like, um, you know, if you want to talk about conspiracies, the king of all conspiracies, uh, with uh, JFK, everyone always talks about the Warren Commission, but the Senate committee that uh, was like convened to investigate and determine like what they thought about the JFK assassination found that JFK was killed as part of a conspiracy, but the conspiracy was not clear. Like, so they essentially said like, it is our determination that there was a conspiracy to kill JFK, but that it's not clear who the conspirators are. And like, for some reason that is not common knowledge. And when I say that to people, I sound like a crazy person. But that's true. <laughs> and sure, this is an Arby's. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's how the thing that that pisses me off the most about this is that uh, that it just feels like in it's already we're all we're already seeing the process of like in five years talking about this. um with regards to the Kyle Beach, Brad Aldrich stuff, it's just going to be the same shit. It's going to be like yep. a thing that cranks talk about and that that normal people have, don't even know happened. You know, yeah, that it's not polite to bring up kind of yeah. thing, right? And the second most annoying thing is that uh, in the case of Connor Bedard, he's going to be like twenty five or twenty six when he is a free agent, and I just don't know if childhood team shit if that can sustain him through the seven years <laughs> of indentured servitude yeah that uh that you get from drafting a player but i mean i and this is this is beyond the scope of today's episode but uh i'm really starting to think they should abolish the draft um yep. we got to come up with a new system i've a uh, friend of the show cody had a really good idea uh about um like uh, you have an allotment of money every year to spend on like basically non NHL free agents. Mm -hmm. And so like the, the way that you avoid the obvious problem of like, Oh, well every like Connor Bedard will just, I mean, Connor Bedard's a bad example because he would sign in Vancouver, but like everywhere, everyone would just sign in Toronto yeah, or yeah. New York or whatever. Right. Yeah. Just like and, how it was prior to the drafts. Yeah, exactly. And the way you get around that is that if every team has $10 million, then okay, cool. Like one team can spend $10 million and sign Connor Bedard. Mm, yeah. But, yeah. but the, but Arizona or whatever, <laughs> maybe bad example, 
they can spend $10 million and sign five, like $2 million guys who could be, you know, who could turn out to be like, you know, Jamie Ben or whatever, who was drafted in the third round out of the BCHL or whatever. Yeah, no, Um, that's a great idea. I like, I think it's a a really good idea. And I think like things, shit like this, like it, it is fucked up that where the best player in potentially like, you know, a generation is going to go is just totally now determined by like basically random chance. Like there's no system for a league that, that talks about parody so much. Like the, the draft is like first it first, the problem was it was too kind to shitty teams um and but at least that was like something you could bank on you know what i mean it was something yeah. you could set your watch to it was like well that's how it works we don't have to like it but like you know the two worst teams one of them is going to get the first overall pick or like the the four worst teams or the five worst teams mm-hmm. but this new like fucked up thing and i mean obviously chicago probably under any system would have had a good chance and but that's not my point it's it's just like you know it's fucked up, for instance, that the Canucks uh, were as bad as they were for, you know, a span of like five years and the highest they picked was fifth overall. And then meanwhile, you know, like New New Jersey. At least we was... picked Matthew Kachuk at fifth, though, Jeff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then and then meanwhile, uh, like Jersey was only bad for like. Like yeah. we're truly bad for a second and they get a first oh, dude, second. Colorado like, and Tampa Bay. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it's okay. just, it's a weird, it's, it's such a, it's such a garbage system. They should really come up with something else. But anyways, that's way too long on that. I think the the interesting thing here um, with uh, as far as new information is concerned with regards to Chicago getting uh, Bedard is that uh, Scott Powers, who, uh, is the, I think, head writer or one of the the like main writers anyways for the Athletic Chicago um, okay. reported today, I believe, or possibly yesterday, uh, that Chicago is really looking to move up from 19th, which is where uh, their other first round pick is, um, but that they don't have a ton of options for whatever reason i mean i think it's obvious why they would want to move up because like congratulations you have connor bedard but you don't have shit otherwise yeah, like you get to fill literally out. nothing um and when you, you don't get... you don't want to you don't want to have to relive mcdavid with edmonton yeah for, like literally only in those last couple of years are they actually looking really good as a team yes like, and the you know. the good news for for uh for them uh, I mean, f- aside from getting to s- walk out of this whole fucking thing scot free with the best prospects in Sidney Crosby, um, the good news for them, profited, man. in terms of yeah, uh, fucking um, like not having anyone is that they have so little that it's kind of almost an an asset. Like they have a ton of picks and no money committed after next year. Like literally, yeah. they have. Seth Jones signed to way too much money till the end of time, uh, which is a problem, but they don't have anything else basically. Um, So, and when you have one contract like that and nothing else, it's really not 
the kind of problem it is for a team that has actual uh, ambitions. Although Chicago should have ambitions now if they want to take advantage of Bedard's ELC. And so it makes sense that they would want to move up from 19th so that they could like get another high-end guy who's going to be developing alongside him, who's going to be, you know, ideally from their perspective, like when, you know, those guys, they'll each be like 21 at the end of the ELC and maybe competing for a cup or something, you know? Yeah, the timelines just kind of don't work for them unless they make some huge moves here. Yeah, I have mean... the most leverage. It's it, like... The ELC is the biggest market inefficiency you can exploit as an NHL team, particularly when you have a player like this. You know, most teams don't actually do it. Um, Toronto tried, uh, to their credit. And, can you explain uh, this to me? Because so, I, I basically don't understand what you mean by okay. So, so it's the, the market inefficiency, like the the ELC, because like. Entry-level contract. The entry, entry-level contract, You, there are bonuses baked in, and so you do end up paying players more than, I think it's 950 The 950 yeah. But it's like an ELC, you, you, you have a player who, like Connor Bedard could go out and win the Art Ross next year, win the Hart and the Calder, and... As far as like cap hit is concerned, he'd be making the same as like a bottom six like role player. But that's right? that's just how contracts work. Well, that's how ELCs work. But right. the thing, but what I mean by saying it's a market inefficiency is that not all players signed to an ELC are remotely of similar quality, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, for example, uh Connor Bedard's gonna sign an ELC this year. And obviously the bonuses like the that is a thing that needs to be considered and that makes him a little bit more expensive than he actually is on paper. But like he's going to sign an ELC that's going to be not that different from a guy who may not play in the NHL for the first three years of his contract. So when you get an elite player like this on an ELC, you basically have the potential to have like a $10 million player Make oh, I see. I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, completely, I completely understand. Actually, that. the last team to really successfully do this really frustratingly was probably the 2010 Chicago Blackhawks mm-hmm. because they had Taves Dane, and Kane Taves, on, Seabrook. On, yeah. Keith, yeah. arguably. Uh, yeah. I can't remember which, like, Kane and Taves for sure were on ELCs. Um, it is wild to somebody look else back too. on the, like, the Canucks 2011. Did any of them have? Okay, I'm sure there's some more mm-hmm. teams than I can think of actually. Yeah. Or uh, who didn't get there because they basically had a first overall pick player as a centerpiece of that team lead them like within the first five years of their career. Yeah, like, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, like, like the Sedins were not young when they went to the finals, right? No, they, they were did not have a, they did point, not have basically. a major play. Like Luongo yeah. wasn't. None of their def- defense were. But uh, like, Boston... yeah, they didn't. They were a veteran team. That's one of yeah. the kind of interesting things about, the, yeah, like, like Boston had Tyler Sagan, right? They had, they had Sagan. Uh, well, they um, had Sagan. They had, they had, uh, I mean, Bergeron. Bergeron and, was and young. Marchand was really Marchand young. Marchand was a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Marchand was drafted in like 2008 or something. It does play like, obviously, Chicago is like the biggest example because they did it on ELCs. And I'm sure there's yeah. other examples too. Um, but like, 
you know, having cheap young players that should be getting paid way more, but don't makes a huge difference. Like uh, that yeah. is often a huge factor in championship winning teams in the NHL. So, you know, this is all just a long winded way of saying like Chicago does have every reason to try to move up from 19th and maybe even pay more than they should like get a little stupid about it because they have so many picks they have so much cap space mm-hmm. and they have the best, you know, potentially like a guy who literally has the potential to be the best player in the world um, at some point, you know, yeah. particularly like how old's McDavid now? <laughs> 26, right? 27. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, he was drafted in 2015, so he's uh, he's 26. So like yep. by the time Connor McDavid's 30, Connor Bedard's going to be 22-ish. 22, yeah. In four years, Connor Bedard could be the best player in the NHL. Especially if, if like, Connor, especially if McDavid, like, God forbid, you know, obviously, like, you know, blows out a knee or something. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, so, uh, you know, pa- uh, and Powers reported that essentially the team that they're looking at is Vancouver, which is, you know, I think from the moment we found out they were going to be picking at 11, which at the very least they did not drop. Although given what happened, I would have taken them dropping the full three spots or whatever over this. Like, like I would trade if, if this was a transaction you could do in the NHL, uh-huh. I would trade the Canucks picking 16th or whatever and Anaheim picking Connor Bedard yeah. over what happened. Like, yeah, no question. Absolutely. Or like whatever, like any other annoying team, like fucking, um, uh, I mean, I guess we had the worst odds, but you know, like Calgary, like if that was a thing that could have happened, like <laughs> I would be elated <laughs> if I could make that, that happen. Or whatever. More opportunity to see him play live, man. Yeah, exactly. Also, uh, Anaheim will mm-hmm. probably have more like Mighty Duck style jerseys, and I assume they're moving away from what they they've had yeah. for the last 10, 15 years. I think so, yeah. And so, sweet jerseys, yeah, totally. The division, yeah. not really a rivalry. Don't really care about them that much, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, the the I I know people have been saying like for ages that they were going to trade this pick, um. To the point where, like, I wonder if Vegas would give you better odds on them not, like, trading the pick. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I wonder if you could make more money uh, betting, against, like, against them trading the pick uh, yeah. at this point. But So, um, so for, for listeners, for yeah. to get a sense of this, like, what what is the package that you think is on the table here? Like, what are both so teams trying to do here? The one that Powers said was and this is just him spitballing but this is a guy who i'm trying to think of of an analog um you know the tough thing in vancouver is that vancouver's so uh obsessive and paranoid and chaotic that there isn't really we don't have the like um the worm tongue guy anymore yeah. um like imac is obviously but iMac doesn't the the fucked up thing about iMac is that he doesn't really get scoops. He just like kind of 
Brun's interference for yeah. Frankie and 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 the organization. Yeah. Um, Scott Powers is more of like a, uh, from what I understand, like he's more of an uh, an uh, an old school like uh, like not Cigar an insider, kind of guy. but the yeah the 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 classic like he's an insider, but he's just an insider for one team in that market. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, like he's a very connected like Darren guy, Greger. from what I understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's actually a good, that's a pretty good, um, uh, aside from the fact that I think Drager's a hack and I think powers is like not bad. Uh, certainly that don't get me wrong. I, I don't want to blow smoke up the guy's ass or anything, but like he's has more integrity than Darren Drager, I think. Right. But as far as, yeah, similar type of figure. Um, so his words carry weight, but I also think he was just kind of spitballing. He said the Canucks trade the 11th overall pick and a bad contract move down to 19th and pick up the Blackhawks other second round pick, which is 55. Um, and do we have a second round pick? We don't. So, <laughs> uh, so, so the Canucks would just pick, would just pick one up. They'd they'd pick up a second round pick in a fairly deep draft. It's towards the end of the second round. So it's not a sexy pick, really. I mean, I think where where what really gets the synapses firing is like, could they pick up 34, which is the Blackhawks second round pick? Like their their actual the real one, yeah. Not yeah, the yeah. one that they got in some trade or whatever. Um because like if you can trade down from 11, get 19 and 34 and offload a bad contract, even if the bad contract is like Connor Garland, which isn't even that bad of a contract. Like but, at that but it gives point, you the flexibility to do, do more interesting things soon. It does. Yeah. Uh, allocate that money in a way that's going to like, you know, I think ideally like there's in a always perfect, a, there's always a way to improve the team. Even if you get rid of somebody who's good in a perfect world. You, you know, Connor Gar Garland signed for three years at almost $5 million. You bring up Niels Hoaglander. Maybe he can be basically the same thing. Yeah. Like kind of pesty rate scorer, uh, maybe like middle six or whatever. And then now you have that $5 million that you can allocate to your defense. Mm -hmm. um, ideally, you would think a $5 million defenseman would be way more valuable than Connor Garland. And, yeah. you know, from from Chicago's perspective, like they have a, a, an actual real offensive player to uh, to to play with Bedard um, or at least provide offense somewhere other than Bedard's line. Um, and so, you know, I mean, that almost seems. Too generous, like I, I, I even if you include like a good player like Bedard. Or a Bedard, like Garland. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I would love for the Canucks to trade for Connor Bedard. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, but I, I do think uh, something like that, even if it just involves the the fifty five pick, like people have been talking in this market for a long time about how the Canucks just need talent and they need it anywhere they can, any way they can get it, anywhere they can get it, and they they kind of can't be choosy, and so that relates to the the conversation around the pick a lot like oh just pick the best player like don't reach for a defenseman or whatever and 
I kind of mostly agree with that, but I kind of think like the, the general, uh, the conventional wisdom at this point dictates that like after about pick five, like on average, like trading down a little bit, making a first round pick and then getting to make an extra second round pick generally yields more value than just picking the guy. Yeah. And that's absent all these other considerations in a draft like this chances at at it is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it also kind of gives, would give them the opportunity to say like, okay, instead of, maybe reaching on a defenseman at 11, we can pick the defenseman who's fallen at 19, or we can pick like, I don't know. I I, I don't, I'm not as familiar with the names in the back half of the draft, but like maybe there's some amazing forward that's going to fall for really stupid reasons that they could get at 19. And then you just pick like, the tier two of defensemen who's available in the second round and you instantly get your best defense prospect, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think a really instructive example is uh, 2019 when the Canucks picked Pud Colson and Hoaglander and got undeniably, like regardless of how you feel about uh, how things went down this year, way more value out of Hoaglander on his ELC than put goals in like mm-hmm. infinitely really. Um, but Colson's still on his first contract, right? Uh, I believe they, I believe they're both expiring this year, okay. um, but I might be wrong because Pud Colson might have signed a year later because he was in the KHL. So, you know, right. don't quote me on that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's a really interesting possibility. Drance was spitballing the other day on the radio about like, could you get the 11th overall pick involved in a JT Miller trade potentially with the Rangers? And you know, that gets me excited. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that really uh, uh, gets me kind of thinking because I think a big sticking point for the Rangers with Miller was just that on certain occasions, they just didn't feel that the value was there. But I think if you package a like just outside the top 10 pick and JT Miller, then you can really start getting um, interesting with the pieces you get back and you get to obviously shed that salary. Like I think uh, Drance said, I think that the the trade he proposed was Braden Schneider, who's like a uh, a blue chip uh, a blue chip defense prospect for the Rangers, but from what I gather, one whose value may be like slipping a little bit because he hasn't really made it yet, and he's kind of hitting that point where you want to start seeing a player make it. But as we know with the Rangers, that's like where promising prospects go to die. Um, so I also figure New York's going to be wanting to make some sort of a splash, not big splash, but like a change has to happen somewhere. Yeah, probably after the 
uh, after the first round exit, right? Probably most, ha- most likely just going to be performative, but yeah, you know, but hey, great. yeah, uh, always looking around for the team that wants to do something stupid. Um, yeah, he said so. Braden Schneider, that would be like the the sort of um, the the C level return. Um, and then the B level, I guess, would be Filipino and the or maybe that's the A level. I don't know, depending on how you look at it. And then the Rangers first round pick, which is, I guess. Uh, ah, I think high 20s. Um, and, uh, you know, like things like that are where I start to get. Like that, those sorts of trades are if they're going to trade the pick are the ones that they should be looking at. Like thinking about how do we reallocate serious money? It's not going to be OEL because it doesn't work that way, but like really, really serious money, ideally money, ideally term as well. And then also can we get assets that, that help us, like ideally an asset that can help us now and then an asset that can help us in the future too. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like I don't know if, if the Rangers would do that, but considering what they were allegedly offering for JT Miller at one point um, and the potential that their interest may have uh, increased after a first round exit, like the idea of trading Miller for Heedle and then like that alone with whatever other assets are going the other way is like very, very enticing to me because you get a real center who's young and way cheaper. And then, you know, on top of that, like even if it means you have to give up the, the pick the, the, you know, the player you would pick at 11 the opportunity to to make that swap and then still be able to make another good pick or bring in another good prospect or both um is really uh that 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 actually excites me like in a way that oh the Canucks are going to trade the 11th overall pick would have never excited me on paper <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah at any point up until right now basically yeah it's the only way they can kind of like their incentives and motivations and just the the, the team plant strategy that they've set out and been so clear about is so disappointing that this is the one way that it could accidentally work out yeah yeah where the start where the stars actually align where they would actually look right by accident yeah 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 and uh i mean on the subject of them doing uh, stuff right <laughs> well and and start, more specifically well i we could talk about that but i i i was going to say on the subject of them uh potentially the stars aligning for them because of changing situations elsewhere we have a pair of new gms in mm-hmm. canada or rather a pair Openings. of uh one opening and one now uh job that's been filled in toronto and calgary I think maybe we'll start in Calgary because it's less interesting, but closer and sort of more relevance to the Canucks. I'm um, so for Calgary. I'm mm-hmm. just, I just kind of don't get why it's Craig Conroy. Now I understand. I mm-hmm. understand what situation the flames had themselves in. Mm-hmm. They had this guy who's a fan favorite. Yeah, I guess, but like yeah. an important 
let's uh who would he be on like the canucks 2011 run uh i mean he's got to be close to like is he is he maybe close to Kessler? alex burrows maybe the burrows like, yeah? like okay he's, yeah. he's similar he's like a similar because he's if burrows got hired and then stuck around in an assistant role where mm-hmm. i'm sure he had his hands on a lot of stuff but like he never Mm-hmm. He never got like uh, full decision making experience anywhere, and stay with the Canucks for ten years. But yeah. okay, well, let, let's forget about the analogy there now. I think yeah, sure. Point. But, but like yeah. Conroy being there for he's been there since twenty fourteen, I think I read. Wow, and like his Wikipedia entry is very bare after that. It's like, and he's been the AGM since twenty fourteen. Yeah, now he's been hired as a GM. It's like I, I am surprised for such a, I guess, high profile team. Mm-hmm. Or a team that takes these decisions more seriously than, say, Phoenix. Sure, because uh, they have to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I get. I get that you don't want to disappoint the old guard, and like yeah. you want to reward somebody who stayed with you for a while. But I mean, this is a really critical time for the Flames. Like, the guy who's been there for ten years doesn't really feel like a refresh. When it seems yeah. like that's what the team needs to go for, and that and that's I'm sure fair. Connor is fine, but I'm like, well, I'm the, surprised the Flames didn't go out for a larger surge. And the I understand they're bringing in Nonis and changing. Other yeah, things. which is funny. That could yeah. be interesting. Having, I feel like having Nonis in the league is good for the Canucks, in the sense that like, it's just, it's always good when. I, This is a totally random example to use, but like when the Canucks got Josh Levo, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, The 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 reason they got Josh Levo is because Josh Levo is a good guy from what I hear. And the Leafs liked him like they were like, this is a pro. This is a guy who like uh, play like he's a good player. He's capable of having an NHL job and we've kept him around as a 13th forward because we know that he could, he could be like a, uh, uh, what was the guy's name? Uh, uh, Jeff Tambellini. You know what I mean? Extremely dependable, slotted anywhere. And, and can play in your top six in a pinch. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Hansen almost. Well, yeah, but, but not quite as good. Yeah. Not, not as good. Um, but like uh, uh, the the 13th forward who is the secret uh, seventh top six forward mm-hmm. kind of uh, in the in the old school NHL anyways. Um, and and they like they like Josh Levo. And so they figure the Canucks, they like their age gap trades. Uh, they're looking for guys like this. They call up Jim Benning and they're basically like, look. We'll take what can you give us for Josh Levo? He's gonna go on waivers. We don't we don't want to put him on waivers because it's like a shitty thing to do. And we also like don't want him to end up somewhere where he's just gonna be in the same position. Like he's a good guy. We want him to get playing time. Like, what can you offer us for Josh Levo? And I can't remember what they traded him for, but it was like even for what he was, like it was a steal. Like it was very similar to like the Kravtsov thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where it was like uh, a shit asset for, for a real player. Oh, it was Michael Carcone. That's what it was. A guy who I don't think has, has he's played in the NHL, but like barely. Well, he was um, really busy for being the villain in the first season of true detective. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
And I think like a guy, um, <laughs> like uh, a guy, uh, you know, a guy like Nonus being in the league is good for the Canucks to help deals like that to happen. Like it's good for the stone cutters shit. <laughs> like, uh, you know, um, but wouldn't, wouldn't he just have a inside knowledge of how to abuse? Well, I don't know. It's been, it's been forever, but like, I don't mean inside knowledge, but like the incentive to abuse. It team. goes, it goes both ways. That's yeah. always the thing. But I, I, as a general rule, like, you know, um, a, a, it's good to have um, like the good thing about Jim Rutherford and to a lesser extent, Patrick Alvin is they are in the stone cutters and in a way that like, I don't think Benning ever really was largely, or he was, but he was just like, he, <laughs> he was the know. guy who brought the coffee out. Yeah, exactly. Like he's or, he, was, he was the one who collected the blood. You know? Yeah. So I think, I think Nonus being there is like uh, potentially good in, in just a like, it's a it it helps lubricate those deals. It helps make things happen. You're you, you know it it, it it obviously it goes both ways. But like I I think it's it's ultimately a good thing in the context, especially because like you know I've heard Nona's get interviewed a lot, and he is like a smart guy. Like he's thoughtful. He's well spoken. I don't think he's like stupid by any means. And I, I but like. His record as a G, as a GM as an AGM is like pretty spotty, um. So, you know, yeah, I, it would have been nice if he went out on his own a little bit more. Obviously, yeah. in the last maybe like in that first stretch where he was a bit more of a hot shot, and then he just goes around following Brian Burke around. Yeah, totally. Which I mean, I kind of get. It's nice to totally. work with people you're comfortable with. But and Burke is he, Burke is actually like a very similar example to me of a guy who is like, you know. Are you gonna try to tell me like Brian Burke's not smart? Like Brian Burke is a bright guy, but I think as as far as hockey goes, he's also a dinosaur. Like, yeah, and and that's kind of maybe that might be the case with Nonus too, although it's not as clear. Um, as far as the Conroy thing is concerned, I just wonder. Like, we're gonna talk about Dubis in a second, and Dubis was not the AGM in Toronto for nearly as long as Conroy has been, but. You know, some teams do really like having like the guy in waiting. You know, they like yep. having the the guy who you want to hold on to your talent. They're grooming that person to be the guy at some. And point. And, and also, it's been said that like he helps keep old Calgary people in the loop. Like mm-hmm. uh, Calgary has an interest in keeping Jerome Ginla around, potentially bringing him on as an AGM one day. Uh, so I've heard and having like rewarding Conroy yeah is important for maintaining those relationships with the old sure. Calgary crowd. Because if you don't like if Calgary didn't sign Conroy yeah in professional circles, it looks very bad. And there's yeah. a lot of uh there's a lot of band-aids that need to be brought out and a lot a lot of fixing has to happen there. Well in and- the the example I'll I'll use as like uh you know people are kind of the, the thing with the Conroy hire is that we have no fucking idea if it's good or not. That's the reality. Like, by the way, did you see his tie? No, no, yeah, I didn't. Like, you brought up Brian Burke. He didn't yeah. do Burke, but no. he just like had the two collars like above the jacket, like, <laughs> like, like the funny, like the yeah. way a little kid would wear a jacket. Yeah, <laughs> totally. a suit. 
Uh, it's really he, funny. And like in the middle of this press conference, nobody's like stopped. It's so funny. Just, that's really funny. Yeah, I'm so yeah. excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just that's like great. a little, a little just once again, the NHL is just so unserious. But yeah. um like the 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 counter example I'll use. So like okay, this is uh it's not a perfect example, but like you look at Dubis, right? And like the and boy, the do I hype <laughs> yummy the fucking hype around this guy when he was hired. He has not lived up to. That's the reality. Like he was the fucking like if a team doesn't hire this guy, like it's a, it's a crime. Like and because ultimately the thing with Dubas, like uh, you know, like John Chaka had more serious analytics bona fides than Dubas did really like he, he ran a stats company that he started when he was a teenager that, that like worked its way up to being used by several NHL teams. Kyle Dubas was a stick boy for a uh, junior team from the point that he was a little kid basically, or like a young kid and then he just parlayed that into eventually being the GM of a, a junior team, hiring smarter people to do analytics stuff and then taking all the credit for it. And I'm, I say this as somebody who's like, I think Kyle Dubas deserves another NHL job. I think he is at least in the top half of GMs, GM candidates that we like are aware of. He's at least like average as a GM, maybe yeah, even I mean, a little like, bit above average. But Dubis is really just like the next evolution of what a dinosaur hockey guy would be. Like, yeah, he grew yeah. up in that in that environment, but then had enough humility to hire people smarter than him. Yes. The only thing that really slots him in with the computer boys is his glasses. Yeah, pretty and much. If John Chaka had larger glasses or more glasses and thicker frames, he probably could have been. A little bit more in the spotlight like that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I I as the lay fan here, mm -hmm. uh, I assume he's even higher up than just half. Uh, I have liked almost yeah. all the decisions. Like if I was to trade for any other GM, trying sure. to think yeah. who I'd prefer outside of like well, Colorado and Tampa. And sure. Yeah. Maybe I maybe Iserman, but that might just be Yeah, that's that's a, a tough one at this that's point. Propaganda right? like for me. Yeah, totally. Um, but after that, like bringing a team, bringing a historic team and not mm -hmm. like cracking under pressure. Uh, yeah. To the farthest they've been in the playoffs in like 20 something years. I yeah, mean, totally. I think it was 19. 19 yeah. years. I think that counts yeah. for a lot. It does. And that and, and and I'm not I don't say this to shit on Dubas. I yeah, I say uh, I say this to just kind of be like, look, there are other guys with that are that have analytics bona fides who have done better. And you, yep. and you can't argue that Dubas hasn't had like, like he didn't inherit the fucking Vancouver Canucks. He inherited a team that uh, had Austin Matthews on it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not like, True. you know, and I don't want to make the Gillis argument or whatever, like, but Gillis got his team to a game from the Stanley cup. Dubas got uh, his team trounced in the second round by the Florida Panthers. And that's the best they ever did. And that's, I'm not saying that's his fault. Like it's the NHL's complicated. It's hard to lay blame. 32 teams. 
There's 32 teams. Yeah, exactly. And and I think to some degree with with the Toronto, my question is, he seems like he's pretty smart. He seems like he's pretty good. Um, and I'm fine with doing this right now because we were going to talk about him anyways. But um, uh, like he seems decent enough. My question is, does he have a fatal flaw? Because the way he handled goaltenders seems like it might be a fatal flaw. You know what I mean? How did he handle Uh, goaltenders then? uh, I mean, it looks He ran ran through a lot of them. Is that that the issue? He couldn't really find... He couldn't find one? I mean, like, let me just... Let me just put it this way, I guess. Like, Vancouver in the 90s had more solid, consistent goaltending than the Maple Leafs have had mm-hmm. under Kyle Dubas. Significantly. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and, uh, and again, is that his fault? I don't know. Like, th- this is what's difficult about evaluating GMs and GM candidates sometimes is that, like, Sometimes you make a bad decision and it pays off. And sometimes you make a good decision and it doesn't pay off. Sometimes your process is good and you get shitty results. And sometimes your process is shitty and you get good results. Like Sergey, see Sergey Bobrovsky, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. um, it, it's tough. It, it's it, it, these things are tough to evaluate. But the reason I bring Dubas up is because contrast Dubas. And the uh, Dubas and Keefe, I will say, Dubas and Sheldon Keefe, the coach in Toronto, um, with the way the hirings of Rod Brindamore and Don Waddell in Carolina were were treated when they were hired. And I will cop to this immediately. I was like, what the fuck are the Hurricanes doing when they hired both of those guys? I was like, they're hiring some guy who played for the team to be a head coach. He's never been a head coach before. And they're hiring a guy who's like most notable uh, NHL credit to his name is that he was the GM of the uh, Atlanta Thrashers. Mm -hmm. Right? Like I remember at the time I was like, Carolina's a team on the ups. Like, I really like what they're doing. They haven't had good, like they've had terrible luck, uh, terrible goaltending. They're getting out from under cam ward now. Like, you know, this was a long time ago now, so I'm, I'm doing my best to remember how it was, but like, that was a team that I was for sure. Like that team is about to break loose. And then they hired those guys. And I was like, yeesh, what are they doing? Probably what uh, hiring Gillis sounded like to a lot of people. I was wrong. Like I was completely wrong. Not only was Rod Brindamore a good hire, like he's probably one of the best coaches in the NHL. He's he's a Jacques Lemaire type coach. Like if there is any team that could be compared to a cult in the NHL right now, <laughs> uh, the way that Jacques Lemaire's Minnesota well, yeah, Wild, you can where, beat them all up. Kind of. Well, yeah. I mean, you do <laughs> wonder helps. to some extent what kind of like the fact that that like he is in the gym for longer than you are. What kind of a guy whose nickname is literally Rod the Bod? Like yeah. that probably does have an effect. And as you know, and this is the the interesting thing with Waddell. Like, is Waddell a good GM or does he just get out of Eric Tulski's way and like, you know, basically go like Eric? Like, who do you want? Which of my buddies do you want me to call to do the deal that you're suggesting to me? You know, mm-hmm. 
And this is the thing, too, is that NHL teams are increasingly um, breaking up their front office to have very specific roles. There are some GMs whose job it is to literally just be buddies with all the other GMs so that the smart guy can figure out the numbers and the deals that they should be doing. And then they're like, you know, like you do have to wonder a little bit if Gilman and Gillis had had a guy to make phone calls for them who was in the stone cutters. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I see, I see this long thread that you exactly. So the, the, the very long winded point that I'm making here uh, uh, with regard to Craig Conroy is that like, it's kind of hard to know if it's a good hire or a bad hire because it's hard to know what they're trying to do with this. Like, Mm -hmm. are they trying to get the guy who is the smartest guy in the room or do they think they have a, do they think they have a, uh, you know, like a, a fucking, um, I don't know, uh, you know, like a Dick Cheney figure mm-hmm. that, that can do all the uh, evil Machiavellian machinations behind the scene and they just need a useful idiot to make phone calls. And I'm not saying Craig Connor is that either because I don't know. Uh, it's he tough clearly to know has for AGMs, like, yeah, but he has the experience. Yeah. So it kind of, you know, to me, if I was a Calgary Flames fan, I would be more worried about the fact that they hired Craig Conroy and then hired Dave Nonis as an AGM than I would be about the fact that they hired Craig Conroy to be their GM. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's almost a non-hire. Like it's almost not. It's It's almost almost a ceremonial position is what you're. Yeah. Yeah. And, or it's not. I don't know, but maybe it is, is my point, because Mm -hmm. I think what what people are not wise to yet about the NHL is that like front office roles are increasingly um, uh, specialized as as all jobs are uh, these days. And what you think of as being the GM's job is not a universal thing across all 32 teams. Mm, um, yeah. There are a lot of teams where like, you know, for example, I use Carolina as an example, like the most important guy in the Carolina hurricanes front office is probably Eric Tulski. I don't think it's Don Waddell. Um, and there are, you know, I mean, take Vancouver as an example. Yeah. We've, uh, we've seen multiple models go through the city. Exactly. Like a dozen years. Who's do like when you think of, you know, who is behind a Canucks trade? There's there's in the last two front offices, there there are like multiple guys you can point to and be like, I don't know, maybe it was that guy, maybe it was this oh. guy. And now, granted, the shitty thing is that one of those guys is the owner, which is bad, <laughs> but yeah. like. You know, when in uh, when it but was applying Benning, that to other teams and it, it gives us yeah. a better perspective. Of- but when it was Benning and Wisebrod and Linden, it could have been any any of those guys or it could have been the owner. And now I think it's uh, like. I think if you asked 10 different Canucks fans that you picked randomly as a sample, what do you think Jim Rutherford does? What do you think Patrick Alvin does? You'd get 10 different answers. Yeah, yeah. And, and they've so done a, they've done a good yeah. job of having smoke screen around that. Yeah. And that might be a good thing. I, I think I said to you in private, like, I want to believe that the Canucks front office are smart 
and that they are an improvement over uh, Banning, uh, both in how they look at the game and in like how they kind of the fact that they're in the stone cutters a on one side of it and B, uh, which I know is a metaphor I'm returning to a lot, but it works. Um, and then B managing up with Francesco. And the unfortunate thing is that unfor- is just that uh, they have not given me a reason to believe that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't look that way so far, but you know, Rutherford had a shitty first year in Pittsburgh too. And then one, two Stanley cups. So I, my, my point being that like, there are some things that I feel very confident about with regards to hirings, with regards to how teams are going to behave, but like all coaches and general managers, especially the only way you're going to know if a guy who's never done it before is any good, somebody has to be the first guy to hire them, right? Somebody has mm-hmm. to be the, the, the team that goes like, maybe Kyle Dubas will be a good general manager. Um, and, and if you, you know, one thing we complain about a lot and obviously Conroy is a, f- a former player. So that kind of is its own issue and it's not a perfect example, but like we complain a lot in the NHL that like, it's just the same fucking guys over and over again. Uh, and then a new guy gets hired and it's like, Oh, they just hired some fucking former player. They should have hired Kyle Dubas <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's like, you know, when I hear that a team hires and hired a new guy, uh, I think to myself like, well, at least it's a new guy. So we'll see. At least yeah, it's, yeah. you know, and it, obviously it's a little different because Connor has been in the organization so long. But, um, you know, I think he contrasts interestingly with Dubas in that, like, um, with with GMs, there's a lot of smoke there's a lot of like people just there's a there's there's a lot of blowhards out there there's a lot of people just fucking saying shit and they say it enough that it becomes true and um and i think dubas is like kind of an interesting example of that because he is sort of that maybe arguably like i said it's tough to say um but from a different set of people and because it's from a different set of people, we kind of weigh it more. But I don't know. I know for me as like a former sort of like big advanced stats guy, I look around at stats now from my vantage point and think sometimes that like they're kind of just full of shit or subject to the same issues, but just in different ways, mm-hmm. you know? The same thing's happening, yeah. Cyclical. Yeah. Uh, I think I one because mm-hmm. now I uh, now I take three modes of transportation in the morning yes. to get to work. Sure, and uh, that was a real like you had me bored for the first five minutes, and then I like sat up when I realized the long thread that you were you were yeah together. <laughs> totally like, oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. This is really good yeah. Uh, you should probably write that in an article because I think that's a good like evergreen uh, kind of post. Yeah, uh, that I, I I wouldn't mind expanding on that maybe yeah. for for something yeah yeah um. But uh, but I but I think like with more time to let the Dubis stuff breathe, uh, mm-hmm. like as yeah. this little Game of Thrones succession thing works yes. out. Yes, uh, I do want to talk about stuff about like MLSC and how maybe the owners are a bit more involved than you think. Uh, yeah, totally. Because like everybody's pinning that on Shanahan, but I'm like, this is the Toronto Maple Leafs, Bell and Rogers, 
and Larry Tannenbaum own this thing. They're not letting. Well, and the rumor in. is that is that <laughs> they Masai Ujiri'd, uh fucking um, Dubas, right? Like they. So how, what how I so? Okay, so what I heard about Masai, the different, and there's a, the difference is that Masai was fucking like really uh, successful. Right. But but the story and you'll have to forgive me because I'm not a basketball guy, right? So I'm sure. I'm I'm third handing shit. Yeah. But the story with with Masai was that they didn't want to pay him, and then whoever's fucking job it was to pay him just went over their head and paid him, and then they needed to get Adam Silver to like uh fucking uh mediate uh-huh. because there was so much heat between the ownership. Wow and and Masai and whoever is above Masai. I don't know right. who that person is. So basically Shanahan went against MLSC's wishes and paid Dubis more. Yes. And, and so in this case, what they happened, had to mitigate. Okay. I see. Yeah. And so in this case, what, what happened was that Shani lost basically. Mm. Um, I, maybe that's the case. Maybe it's not like, I don't, I'm kind of, that's really speculative, but but what what I heard did happen, or at least the speculation is that they were like, "We're paying Dubas too much money. We don't want to pay him as much as he'll like ask for. So we're yeah. just gonna hire someone else." Mm-hmm. And that that was that was the um that was basically the motivation. Like he is gonna be able to get more money somewhere else. And he hasn't done a good enough job for us to pay him what we like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, enough. like yeah. basically financial considerations, and like the fact that they tried to do the same thing with Masai really, I think, tells you where their fucking uh, heads are at, right? Right. Yeah. Because, like, curious. That's a that's a, in for, based on my understanding of my my moronic understanding of basketball. Well, you don't um, need to understand basketball for that. This is just You don't, right? Like it it, it it's it's just like the guy is fucking politics. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> like the Toronto Raptors brought the first championship uh to Canada in since, any fucking since sport since the Blue Jays. Since the Blue Jays. Like yeah, since I was pay, born. pay him as much as you want like yeah like as much as he wants right like um so yeah i mean the 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 dubis thing is interesting um because we we much in the same way as the conroy thing we like we just don't we have no idea how it's going to turn out until at least we see who they hire um yeah and i think as a canucks fan again hearing fucking jim benning's name out there makes me very excited like oh my god like I said it on Twitter, but the Maple Leafs hiring Jim Benning is the best possible thing that could happen to the Vancouver Canucks. I think if Jim Benning got hired by the Leafs, somebody would like murder his son. Like, <laughs> that's not a statement about his son. That's just like <laughs> that. That's a that's a crass joke about what happened to his son in Yaletown once, and how yeah. Toronto is bigger and yes, it'll be crazier. That's all. But. <laughs> And you're you're I I hear that, but like Van, think about like the hockey fan mindset of the two cities and the hockey media mindset to a lesser extent. 
I think the consent manufacturing machine, <laughs> if, if you could, if like what they were able to do for Jim Benning in Vancouver, Here, they could, where yeah, the fans yeah. are like almost Philadelphia level of <laughs> like, like not all of them, obviously, but like, if you were going to say like, okay, behind Philadelphia, like what fan base would be most likely to boo Santa Claus? Like <laughs> probably Vancouver, like yeah. in, in a lot of ways, maybe, maybe like maybe not boo Santa Claus, but like post Santa Claus's home address on Twitter, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like it's a different vibe. Cause it's less so in the arena and more so online or I guess it's a little easier the culture. for Santa Claus. Just cause like everybody knows his postal code, you know, H O H O H O baby. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Look, I, I think, I, I think we gotta, we gotta wrap this one up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this from we're, just, we're getting close. But I just yeah, to finish that thought, to finish that thought. Okay. Uh, the, the, like the, fa- we saw how kind of as much as the Leafs are, um, a cursed franchise, their fan base doesn't relate to them being a cursed franchise in. Uh, and the media as well in a similar way to Vancouver at all. Like they're believers always for some reason. And I don't know why. And it's what is kind of perplexing about them and what I hate about them in a way. Um, And so like, I think he would have a real honeymoon period there. And I think that would be just man. Like if there's any way to get off of that JT Miller contract, it's if Jim (laughs) betting gets hired literally anywhere, but specifically in Toronto. All roads lead to the rivalry. Very quick before we end. Um, anything to say about the playoffs? Like just any quick thoughts about. I think Jimmy Butler's game is looking incredible. <laughs> That's what I'll say. The man is bugs bunnying his way yeah. into a ring. Um, I, not really. I, I am watching the Panthers games. I'm sure. honestly not watching the care. Well, I, I I realize they're playing against each other. Yeah, I'm not yeah, watching I mean, a lot of games right now. Yeah, uh, totally. Me neither. I'll, I haven't I'll watched game any games in round two. I'll cop I, to it. I or watch, round three. Sorry, round three. Yeah, round two. I watched the crap out of. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I was I very every, into. Everybody's brackets are just absolutely fucked. Fucked now at this and point. Now I'm now just Team Florida. I know, like Florida is like yeah, we should be treated with the same ire as Saudi Arabia. Uh, yeah yeah that's true actually fuck i I didn't think of that oh it's (laughs) it's it's there yeah uh but it's nice to know that uh, our friend roberto is uh, on side with a lot of issues uh which yeah you're right we do have like private proof that he is like a good boy yeah we do we have proof we have proof we have public proof too but we also yeah, well, have, we also have public proof. But we have private proof that I can't share, unfortunately. But like, uh, yeah, privately, Lou is one of the good ones, truly. Yeah, and by that I mean French Canadians. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, uh, JD has been wearing a fleur de lis shirt. Yeah, on, his little, on the little Napa trip. I thought very that was funny. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was very into the Kraken series. I I watched that really closely. I was heartbroken when they kind of laid an egg in Game Seven. Um, how you know? I, not, uh, I think they would have given the Knights a bit of a stronger run. I kind of think so too. Because the because like I I'm just assuming this from like folk sure. knowledge, which for me is just 
yeah. having paid attention to last year's playoffs since sure. Jake Ottinger. I, I only know of that. Mm-hmm. I, I've never really see, seen like Heishkinen player, sure. whoever yeah, else, yeah. and in Heinz. But like, I think Seattle. Well, Seattle doesn't rely on their goalie as much as Dallas does. Yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah. And so for me, that's enough to see that. Like, I think they would have gotten one more game. Not that the series is over, but no. And 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 I might be a gentleman sweep. But yeah, I'm not gonna speak to either of the series that are going on now because, um, you know, this playoffs has been weird. Both these teams that are that are both up and down are weird. It's a weird final four and anything could happen still. Um, so, you know, I'll save my post mortems for when the teams are actually mortem. Um, but, uh, man, Florida's just got the juice, you know, like yeah, you I'm, just I'm, see it with uh, some teams, like they just are on. And I think it kind of makes sense because I sort of jokingly said before the, playoffs had uh started i don't know if um if i said it on the show or not but i kind of jokingly was like oh you're telling me that like the team that was last year's boston bruins that now have like no pressure on them are gonna play this year's florida panthers like interesting and i just think like they have that vibe of like this was you know this is a team that's been one of the best teams in the nhl for the last five years and they just tricked us into thinking they weren't by kind of having a bad run in the middle of a season and then getting hot a la LA Kings heading into the playoffs. I would not want to be a team facing them. They just Mm -hmm. seem like they fucking have it. And like Bobrovsky, obviously hilarious that the worst goalie contract in the history of the sport, arguably, (laughs) might end up with a Stanley cup, but I think it actually ends up making the opposite case that a lot of people think because it, because he was not their starter at the beginning of the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And it just goes to show you that like really goalies are voodoo. I'm sorry. Goalies are voodoo. They don't make fucking sense. Goalies 2 million a piece. Yeah. You're set. Your goalies, goalies are voodoo when they play as much as they do in the NHL goalies might not be voodoo. If we get them down below fucking 50 games a year and mm-hmm. really start splitting starts. But as long as they're, it's like what it's fucking like now, the, the difference between a Jake Ottinger and a Laurent Brassois might be nothing when there's a 30 game difference between how many, each of those guys, <laughs> how much each of those guys has played. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, let's uh, let's record next week. That's let's, good, I think. Um, let's, let's do a short one next week and fill up all the time we can. That's and uh, hopefully, a guest maybe next week or the week after. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. Uh, this was this was good though. This was a uh, illuminating conversation, I think, and I think people will enjoy it. And I think uh, you got a couple of think pieces out of it that you it, should. Uh... It was less depressing than I thought it would be, um, which is good, I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you sooner, I think, than the the break between these ones. And um, uh, send your hate mail to the Chicago Blackhawks. I know I haven't done that in a while, but Going please forward. literally do it. <laughs> send hate mail to 
anyone from the Chicago Blackhawks organization and also foreign uh, or foreign. I don't know why I said foreign former members of the Chicago Blackhawks uh, organization, regardless of where they are from, obviously. And to Steve Simmons. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. See you next Actier. time. Com forward slash Patreon. Fuck, I did it again. Other way around. <laughs> Other way around. Patreon.com slash Roxy Fever. We're going to have to figure out in the next week what we're going to do for that, uh, yep. but but we will do it. Uh, so, um, Good night. Thank yeah. you so much. Thanks, everybody.